1: What's up, y'all? This is Brother Ali in the mix with Tim Aynakel on the library. Rapstation.com. Keep it right here. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, Been a minute, the city back when it is again. Let me find a they check-in for who can spit again what y'all's out there leaning to get crunk Being it and turning up I ain't never stopped with the pen and dead cool haku, sending synonyms similarly showcase with getting busy is bar for barn, rappers was all some palm They wish I was some palm Bodies with no regard They care about spitters When I was starting to pop I was clicking with cream Mills making it hot Party like the
0: rock star Shop boys had it on lock I just another star on the block He's the director of ar at Soul Spasm Records and host of the tw- Tour guide on Sirius XM Hip Hop Nation, his second solo studio album, Entitled, drops January 15th, 2016, and will feature guest vocals from the likes of Saul Williams, Fonte, Pharaoh Monch, just to name a few, and we'll have production from Pete Rock, uh, Jahil Beats, Mr. Porter, Apollo Brown, DJ Premier, and much more. Um, he's Torrey, and I want to welcome him to the library with Timine and station.com.
1: What's going on, Tim? Thank you for uh, having me. It's a great uh, introduction there. Uh, So on August 31st of
0: 2015, you set up a Kickstarter uh, funding campaign pledging for $10,000 for the album. Uh, The pledge was successful and you met at the goal was uh, actually went above the goal with $10,295. Admittedly, I don't know how much it costs to create an album. So is this a low figure for an album production? And then how how did you come up with the number 10,000?
1: Yeah, I mean, I had already put like twenty thousand into the album before. You know, ten thousand to cover like maybe two beats on that album. Wow. So, but for me, it wasn't. It was less about the money. It was more so about engaging the fan base. You know, kind of seeing who was willing to put their money where their mouth is Because there's, you know, there's so many different ways to get music now. People don't necessarily have to go out and buy it. And so, for me, when I'm creating a project you know i want to i really want to see who who's really there you know what i'm saying like it's i got 20,000 followers on this and 50,000 followers on that of, of, of that number i really wanted to gauge who was really there who was really a fan who was really going to you know, like I said, put their money where their mouth is and, and support it, you know, um, with a pledge. And so that's what it was for me. It was like seeing who was really involved and then how how engaged were they? Were they a casual $10? Yeah, I want to get this. Were they a $100? Were they a $500? You know, I had, um my man Hank Homage, who who paid, you know, um, 500 plus to have me come out to his house and play the album early. And like, for me, that's where, that's where the, the, the reward live for me was really kind of seeing where the people were and, and, and how much of a Torrey supporter they were. Um, so yeah, that to 10,000 for the album is super duper low. I mean, I've, The stuff that i've done um since then um i've I've way far exceeded that number as far as what i'm spending but for me again like you know i have various streams of income so it wasn't like yo i need ten thousand dollars to make this out like i could have went to any independent record company and got ten thousand dollars to do the album um I just wanted to um I wanted to rock with the people you know I wanted to do cool stuff like show up at your crib and I wanted to do cool stuff like you know have exclusive merch for you or you know have you come to the gym and work out with me these are some of the um some of the rewards that we had on the Kickstarter and so that was what it was about for me just really getting involved with the people because Nobody has to buy the music, so you know you gotta you gotta sell them more. You gotta sell them the experience, you know. And for me, it was dope because I got a chance to make some new friends, you know, like people who who care that much about what I'm doing and putting out musically. You know, I, I consider them to be, you know, fam. You know, so that's what it was for me. But but because the, the Kickstarter was was very successful, and I'm very I was apprehensive about doing it, so I'm glad that we met the goal and you know we was able to make make it happen. For you, I mean, is this? something that you think is
0: would be a business plan from here on out for you for the album for new albums or is it kind of like a one-time thing or not even just the one-time thing but it doesn't have to be like all right i'm Tori's gonna make another album all right here's my Kickstarter campaign and blah 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 i mean or is this are you leaning towards doing this type of business plan or do you think you might go back to I mean, independent labels or any label
1: I would never say never but I doubt very highly if I would ever do it again. You know, it was a cool thing to do. It was a cool um it was a cool experience, but the process and you know, it was it was it was a bit much you know, at times. And, um, again, you just have the mercy of the people, so you always feel so vulnerable. You know, you got everybody looking and people waiting to see what this one pledge, and, you know, waiting to the bitter end. And I was just like, this is not, you know, I'm good, I'm good on it. You know, Internal Affairs Entertainment is my company. Every record that I put out, has been through internal affairs in some capacity and so um you know for the next album we'll you know there was no kickstarter eight years ago when i put out daily conversations so we'll see you know when it's time to do the next solo album if there is something comparable to that and and if it makes sense for me to do it um or i might just you know have to dig in the bank and do it myself i mean which i did anyway on this one but you know um i kind of got an idea where the fans are so i'm gonna try to use that you know use that information and, and pull from there i was
0: speaking to ray his new
1: album is uh, entitled
0: drops january 15 2016. Uh, tory i want to get into a few tracks of the album on the track get down which is produced by the legendary uh, p rock okay says quote tory gets as grizzly as he's ever been on the mic throwing lyrical daggers like darts against the board you have a line in the uh track where you say i had it with low average stats how's that the status quo what was the tipping point for you to say this like when did you know that you had to write down uh and make music out of this um what are you saying that needs to be changed in rap or hip-hop culture
1: that line, I guess, is more yeah directed towards what's happening um, in mainstream music and, and kind of what people are flocking to or what people being force fed and thus flocking to. It's just, you know, below average stats, how that's the status quo, you know. Um, and if you just break that line down, it's like people who aren't as lyrically talented or people who may not be as skilled in the profession are now becoming you know, the benchmark for, for what, what people are aspiring to or what success is. And I'm just like, you know how that's the status quo. How's that, you know, how is that what it is? And me is like, in my music, I always try to give you the truth, you know, for lack of a better term. And that's just the truth. That's where we are in in mainstream music. Um, So my job as an artist and as an MC is to talk about, all of it, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly. And, you know, that was just a line in the joint. I didn't really give it too much thought to overanalyze it. It's just like it rolled off the tongue cuz that's just part of the conversation. I saw a video on
0: uh you know, genius.com uh for uh What's Love featuring Farrah Monch, but didn't have the Farrah Monch verse to it. Uh but one thing I thought was interesting that it was um uh, the video was you spitting lyrics over live instrumentals. Um One, why live instrumentals for this track? But two, how, if at all, do your lyrics change or your writing process change? Is when you know you're doing live instrumentals versus an already produced beat.
1: It's not really a change from live to like in studio production. I think that um, you know, whatever the beat is, you know, I let the beat help dictate what the song is going to be and how the writing process is going to go. So if it's one of those beats where I feel like it needs a space to breathe, then I'm going to put a space in there to breathe. If it's something where I feel like I got to keep the energy going, you know, and keep it ferocious, you know, then I'm going to do it that way. If it's something where I need to, you know, make it maybe a little more melodic, I'm going to do it that way. But it it definitely just... Depends on what, what the beat brings out of me. You know, the beat is, like, my voice is the final instrument, so, like, whatever those instruments prior to me getting there tell me to do, that's what I'm going to add on onto the track. That's kind of how I go about the, the writing process. You know, a few of the tracks that were released
0: for the new album, Entitled, um, obviously, and even in some of your music, you, you kind of, you know, you express your frustration as, you know, talked about with what people are getting forced uh, fed. Um, so how how... For you, how far were you in your music career when you realized that, well, one, you knew you went into this doing it for the love of the culture and for the music, but you realized there were people out there that were just doing it for the check. Uh, you know, if like if musical genre called Sherlock was popular, they would be doing that too. And then how do you stay, when this is all around you, how do you stay focused and passionate about what
1: you do? There's probably was always people who did it for, like at the end of the day, it's a business. So you got to treat it like any other business, whether you're selling cars are you selling homes are you selling you know music Um, one is definitely passion driven but at the end of the day you know it's the music business so if you just want to make music and not be a part of the business then you have to make that decision I chose to be in the music business so I understand the business aspect of it and I feel like even as I was coming up as a fan there might have been people who weren't maybe so deserving or people who I didn't feel as talented as some of my favorite artists who probably got a bum deal you know with that being said once I really got into it, you know, 2007-ish, 2008-ish, when I really, like, you know, got involved and fully engulfed, I call it the the peek-behind-the-curtain uh, effect. You know, when I got a, a little look behind the curtain and I saw that the, the Wizard of Oz wasn't great and powerful, you know, it was just a little guy, I was like, oh, this is a lot different than what I thought it was, but I had already invested so much like you know i loved it so much i cared so much i had already sacrificed so much it wasn't a point of well it's time to turn back and start from scratch it was like make the most of it make it work you know understand what your your parameters and your boundaries are as far as what you're willing to do for quote-unquote success or or notoriety. And my thing was always just stay true to the music. You know, stay true to the music. Stay true to the sound and the feel that you were inspired by that made you want to create music. And from there, you know, figure out how to max that out. You know, so for me, it's never about, you know, reaching to try to make a hit record or or trying to work with a certain person because they have a certain following, a fan base or buzz. For me, it's always like, make it organic, make it make sense, and do what's real to you, and and then figure out how to just get it to as many people as possible. You know, I feel like I haven't hit the limit or or reached the ceiling as far as what my fan base could be, so it's just trying to figure out, with each project, how to reach more and more people who like the type of music that I make. On the album you released,
0: um, Saturday Night, which is produced by uh, Premiere, one for this track, what was the, one why I released this as part of the singles, but two, when you're you've collaborated with Premier a few times, uh, is Premier the type of producer when you do collaborate with him that you're kind of forced to step up your lyrical game? Uh, does he ever? do you ever write something and you spit over it, and then he kind of comes back and like, all right, I want you to like go come harder with this or whatnot?
1: Shout out to Premier, man. I love I love DJ Premier. He's a he's a. I mean, for as great as a producer and DJ as he is, he's just even more of an amazing person so you know shout out to Prem definitely got a lot of love for Prem you know Prem is a producer you know and producers produce you know that's the difference between being a beat maker and being a producer anybody can well not anybody but a lot of people can make beats but to really produce the vocals and produce the song you know Prem would be like yo I love the whole verse I just don't like how you said this one line and I was always an advocate of if I messed up a line and didn't say it right i would maybe i shouldn't give out too many secrets but i would i would just do the whole thing over re-record it but preem definitely believes in the punching he's like yo nah just punch this one line and and you know when the first few records i was like yo i don't like the punch like i don't and he was like oh listen and then he was like such and such and such a, such and such punch and i was like okay well this guy's dj premiere for a reason and so we will punch it you know i mean and it would literally like be like one line like I could spit the whole, for the record, all 16 bars and be like, yo, I just don't like how you ended record. Just punch that, you know, and then just be like, Wreck it. and that's it. And, and you know, but that's what makes DJ Premier one of the greats because he knows what he's doing. He knows what the record should sound like. He hears it in his mind. And um, as an artist, I think it's our responsibility to never just do whatever somebody says but always listen always be open-minded always be willing to learn you know they they say if you're the smartest person in the room then you're in the wrong room and you know a guy like DJ Premier teaching me and coaching me on vocals and and how to you know just attack the mic and pause and do songs um that that makes all the difference in the song. So, for me it's never about like, yo, I got to go super hard cuz it's premier cuz I'm going to try to go, you know, and write the best rhyme ever on every joint. But um, you know, there's a difference to to being in the studio and working with a legend like Prem cutting vocals or somebody emailing you a beat and you just doing it at you know, whatever studio in your own time. Um, I think that's why Our Records have the feeling that they do have is because we are right there you know he's making the beat right there i'm I'm writing the rhymes and recording right there we are in the same room and that's that that's that energy you know that's the energy of a for the record or a click or get it done or you know a saturday night when it was time to do saturday night i was like yo we've already given them just so much new york gritty bars and beats and cuts and i was like i want to do something different we never did a story record you know he was like, word, word, word. So he came back and the beat for Saturday night, it was so like kind of out there. You know, it was it was still very dope and premiere esque in its feel, but it also had a different type of vibe to it. And and I was like, you know, I want to write a story joint, and it just had that feel. I was like, I'm gonna write about the Chinese store, you know what I'm saying? And and um, it was it was just something dope and new for Premier and I to do together. And you know, I love it, man, because it, it shows just the, the the different levels of where our relationship and our friendship and our working relationship is going. You know, from me making like a classic dj Premier feeling type of joint to a whole different you know people like yo the storytelling on that is slick wrist asking you know what i'm saying like i was a slick rig one of my favorites ever so just to hear that you know definitely means a lot to me but um i love the fact that we have variety in in the stuff that we've done and you know moving forward i want to even push it even further and do you know things that that have a whole different feel from you know what you would assume you would get from Torrey and Premier another uh producer you worked with in the past uh Marco Polo on
0: um Double Barreled which I really like because it's one of those albums I mean the uh, production is great but also it's one of those albums where you-, you stand out as someone who's like you you have something to say and it doesn't matter if it rhymes <laughs> you're just gonna say it and it works like I mean that's the thing it works um but what I noticed is Marco Polo's not on this album um was there a scheduling conflict or, I mean, is there a reason behind it?
1: No, 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 no. That, Marco's my brother. I just spoke to Marco. Um, Marco's birthday was just yesterday. So, you know, that's 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 my guy. Marco and I, it just, yeah, it just didn't happen on the album. Like, again, our our relationship and friendship is so organic. It's not, like, force it. you know. Marco and I plan on doing another collaborative album. And so... It wasn't, you know, like, yo, we got to get one in. I know when people see the track list and, you know, the first thing they always say, no Sky Zoo, no Marco Polo, no. And I'm like, yo, you've seen me work with these people. So, like, you want me to just keep continuing to do the same thing over and over again? That's not me. You know, I think that over the course of coming into my eighth year of releasing music, um, I I pride myself on the fact that. You know, even though you always going to get Torre, you're going to get the same general aesthetic as far as what I what I'm bringing to the table. I always try to do it in a different way. You know, I always try to give you a a, a different angle to look at it. You know, um, even if we're telling the same story, I'm giving it to you from different points of view, so you get a different perspective on it. So Marco and I, we just, yeah, we just didn't cl- connect on this one. You know, Marco just did um. PA2, I wasn't on PA2, so people were like, yo, you're not on, and I was like, yo, it's not a big deal, for us, the relationship and the friendship is so real that it's not about going to the studio to do a record, you know what I'm saying, like, but now that Entitled is done, I will say this live right here first, top of the year, I'm, me and Marco going back in, we are gonna cook up, and we are gonna do it again, you know, because that's what we are, it's been, um, we dropped June 2009, so it's time, now it's time, and and you guys will get, you know, 12 or 13 joints from Torre and Marco. Not 13. I don't like 13 as an album number. But, you know, 12 or 14 joints or 10. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Marco Polo, Torre, joints. We have that that chemistry. And when we did that album, you know, we, we both felt like it was needed. You know, our thing was like, yo, there's a void in this feel, in this sound for a whole album. Let's do it. You know what I'm saying? For a whole album, let's give them... The hardest rhymes and the hardest beats and the coldest, you know what I mean. New York City night, you know the 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 grittiest Tim's and the thickest hoodie and thermal. Like that was just the whole feel behind making that record. So now we're gonna, you know, we're gonna we're gonna swim back around it and give it to you one more again. You know, we talk about the album making process in general,
0: and and in the video and the song. I'm gonna go back a little bit uh, off your. Your EP for the record, um what it sounds like. You you has you traveling from Brooklyn to Bangkok to chase down this uh, bootlegger and then you beat the anyway. So uh that said is when downloading albums seems to be the norm, right? Like illegally downloading albums. I mean I I remember talking to a producer and he said like someone tweeted him, Hey look, I streamed your I, I put up your entire album on YouTube and but didn't see anything wrong with that. Like, hey, matter of fact. Do you have do you have to uh approach the purpose of the album like do you you not know like do you approach it as like all right I'm making kind of like a mixtape to get myself out there or do you still approach it as you're creating a work of art
1: Yeah I mean anything that I put out you know I'm I'm giving it 110% I'm not looking at it as a a throwaway or you know a free download anything like that because Somewhere in some part of the world, that's going to be somebody's first time hearing you. And, you know, if somebody's been singing your praises for months or years, yo, Toray, you got to listen to Torrey. And you finally like, yo, let me listen to this damn Tore. And you download something or you stream something and it's up par, then that's it. You know, that's my one shot. So I try to treat everything like this is somebody's first time hearing it. I'm, I'm definitely from the school of putting out retail projects um some people are gonna buy it and shout out to them and some people are not and you know shout out to them as well because at the end of the day you just understand where we are with technology and like i said earlier in the interview nobody has to buy the music you know people buy into you as an artist or you as a person or, or they love you and they want to support you and see you win or some people just want to listen to the music and they don't give anything a shit about you you know and that's the reality of it so you know for me is i treat it as um the people who are going to go out there and support it, go support it. And the people who are not, you know, either they're not going to listen to it or they're going to stream it or whatever. You know, sometimes people have these preconceived notions about who you are, what the music is. So they listen to it or don't. Um, and you can't, you know, you can't please all the people. That's just that's just ridiculous to try to, you know. Please, a hundred percent of the people, a hundred percent of the time, is just not realistic. So, you know, for me, um, I go in, I create a project, I give it my all. Um, if it's if it's something like a double barrel where we keep it in a super street, if it's something like um for the record, you know, which I was very mindful of the way I wanted that album to be crafted and sound and work with who I wanted to work with because it was my my debut album, you know, I give the all of these things the thoughts, you know, um, and title kind of picks up. Right with for the record album left off so you know I, I definitely always give these things a lot of thought before i go into to creating them and um you know I, I try to always give people the best me that i can give them today i noticed you tweeted out a question on your via
0: your facebook page of the three joints released from entitled which is your favorite you said saturday night get down and let them know for you what's the purpose of getting an answer to this question and then secondly do one of these records right now does this for you represent what do one of them represent the mission of the entire album entitled
1: i think it's it's funny because that's a two-part question i'm gonna answer i think it's funny because none of those records and even after i tweeted it and i was looking at them none of them give you the feel of what the album is you know they all this album is definitely a story top to bottom you know as as just like for the record was for me or just like Double Barrel was for me or even Heart Failure you know I try to tell a story from top to bottom Daily Conversation like that first mixtape that was just a collage of songs Power Brothers with Sky was just us you know going in there and picking dope beats and rhyming our face off but you know, when I do an album, whether people choose to dissect it or get it or not, but I do try to tell like a story and keep it cohesive. So those three songs are definitely three parts of the puzzle, actually excluding Saturday Night. Saturday Night is um, it was just so left of center as far as what, what I had done before and, and where it fits in on the album. I made it a bonus joint because I had did that record um with Prem like a year ago you know what i'm saying like i was my plan was i was gonna do a 12 inch i was like i'm not really in album mode i don't know if i want to do an album right now i wasn't inspired to make an album so i was like i'm gonna do a 12 inch and i want pete rock on it and i want preem on it you know like i've never done the 12 inch before with those two guys it's you know like bucket list shit you know check it off and so um i went in and i did get down first which is another record that's over a year old i did get down and then i got with preem and then we did um and then we did Saturday night. So those two records were just kind of, kind of live on their own, you know, be a an A and B side or a double A side since they both A list guys. And for whatever reason, you know, the cost of vinyl and timing and just all it didn't make sense. It, didn't, it It ended up not making sense to drop those as a twelve inch. And so I just held on to them. You know, I was like, at some point I'm gonna make an album you know um sky and i had just started talking about like his schedule was wide open mine was wide open so we like yo let's give the people the album they've been asking for for years and so we we dove into uh barrel brothers and so i just held on to the records i was like these are records that are timeless like you know whether i put them out right now if i put them out in a year or two they'll still impact the same way because i don't feel like the music that i make is dated like that you know what i'm saying so if you would have heard Get Down when it first dropped, you know, people, people don't listen to it and be like, Yo, this just sound like two thousand, you know what I mean, fourteen, dog. No, it still feels, you know what I mean? It still feels like it's relevant, it still makes sense, it still hits hard. Um, and that's very important when making music is to try to make something that's not just stamped in a in a in a time, but you know, something that can that can grow and live, you know, years years from now. Um so that was that. So so of those three tracks, none of them really overly represent what the album is, but they are parts of the story. Um, why I ask that is just to engage the audience, you know, just to get feedback, just to keep the conversation going. Like, my lifeline is the people, you know, making sure that I connect with the people, making sure that I'm trying to constantly give the people, because we have all the social media and everybody's watching and nobody's getting involved. And I'm like, yo, get involved. Like, don't be a spectator. Let's let's all play this game together. You know what I'm saying? Come on the field. So I was, I was doing something today, and I was like, well, I put out three records. I was, I was, I was um, contemplating, you know, leaking another record from the album. And I was like, what would it be? And you know, then we get into the meat and potatoes of what the story on the album is. And so I was like, maybe I won't, you know. But I was like, well, there's three representations from the from the project out there right now. So I just wanted to get, you know, people talking and people caring, and 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 if they didn't, you know, somebody somebody might have missed something. I think it was actually spawned by that somebody when I posted, um, let them know to soundcloud and somebody was like yo i didn't even know it's already had a new album coming out you know what i'm saying and and you know they had a link to the soundcloud and i was like yo i appreciate it there's some other joints on there in case you missed it you know because everybody's living their life and doing what they doing. Nobody's just sitting around waiting for me to drop music, you know? So I just got to make sure that people know what's out there. And, and, you know, maybe you heard one and didn't know there were three, you know, maybe you just heard Saturday night and that was it. And didn't know about get down or maybe you sort of let them know video and didn't know two things came before that. So it's just keeping the conversation open and keeping it, you know, keeping the dialogue there with me in the audience.
0: You obviously you keep the conversation open through your music and through social media, but you also have another thing you do, which is a radio show on SiriusXM. XM. You you have two careers, let's say, right? Hip hop cool. four careers, <laughs> but let's talk about two of them. Yeah. Uh, and, and in order to kind of stay quote unquote relevant, or to be you know to have longevity in the careers, you need to look at the sales, the ratings, the popularity, right? And your music fans aren't necessarily your serious XM fans and vice versa. I mean, there might be some crossover, but that's not necessarily the case. How do you curtail your personalities or yourself um, in each of these fields so you stay relevant to get those ratings, but without losing actually who you are as a person?
1: I feel like being me is what, what got me here. And so, you know, when I say here, I mean doing radio. So for me to change it anyway, it wouldn't be true to why, you know, why I even got the position. Like, I didn't come in perpetrating or trying to be somebody else. You know, um, I came from, shout out to my big homie DJ Eclipse. I came from Eclipse's show Rappers Out of Control, which was very um, underground, boom bap, independent. You know, the music that most people know me from, it was that. Um, but when I went to the to the powers that be, I said, you know, I want to broaden my profile. I want to get to the, the listener that isn't a Tory fan that has no idea I make music and I want to draw them in you know but in doing that I still got to be me in between those songs you know I think the music that's programmed is what keeps the listeners coming you know they want to hear game they want to hear young thug or drake or whatever that's what's going to bring them to to hip hop nation me in between is going to give them a glimpse of my personality they're going to get a glimpse of who I am and how I feel about anything that's going on in the world cuz I always try to keep the conversation very, very current, you know, as to what's happening. You know, if there's, you know, a verdict that comes in or somebody, you know, announces the wrong winner on the pageant or anything that's going on, like the conversation is always very, very fresh and you're going to get a lot of my personality in in that conversation or when I sit down with, you know, if it's somebody that I I admire that people think that I probably shouldn't listen to or like like a Jeezy, for example, you know, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to give you the conversation that I want to have with Jeezy and you're going to be able to understand why I respect him as an artist or listen to his music even if you feel like that's not what I should be listening to because you know people definitely always like to put you in this box and dictate you know yo you Torrey, and you make records with Premier and Pete Rock so why would you have Wiz Khalifa on your show because I can have a conversation with Wiz Khalifa you know and I think you should be more open minded you know Than you know you see me post that Wiz is going to be on the show and there's 50-60 comments tearing them down without even hearing what the conversation is you know so so for me, it, it was about bringing, bringing a new set of eyes and ears to what I was doing. You know, some people who know me from doing radio had no idea that I was an artist. Some people that know me from doing music don't have serious or didn't have serious didn't understand why I would want to do it until they started to listen. So, you know, again, like in that Venn diagram, there's going to be some people on this side, some people on this side. My goal is to get, you know, fill that middle up, you know, with with people who know me from both, you know. And that goes into hosting, you know, I host a lot of live events. Do a monthly showcase, Faces in the Crowd that I host. And, you know, I've covered red carpet for Double XL and, you know, B T and, and things of that nature. And for me it's just I'm I'm so Engulfed in the culture, like I love it so much, I just want to be a, a constant contributor, you know whether i'm an m c whether i'm a and r in a project and helping you get your record out, whether I'm on serious xm you know talking to some of your favorite artists or least favorite artists or you know um you know and as, as i'm as I'm moving into acting and things of that nature, I just want to continue to contribute and give back to the culture you know i'm like the i'm the the modern renaissance man for real these days, but it's all because. I got to pay it forward. You know, I got to, I got to just be so given to the culture that has given so much to me. It's like any way I could fit in to, to, to be a, a contributor. I'm going to do it.
0: There's one thing I like really like about your, your Facebook page is your, your cover photo, which is a uh, tribute to Sean Price and you've worked with him uh, and he passed away on August 8th of 2015. Uh, as an artist and as a person, what did he mean to you when you were working with him or as a friend and how did he influence your
1: artwork? That's so crazy, man. Like I just get, you know, visibly I just get you know what I'm saying, like that was that was the big homie for for as dope as an MC and artist he was. That was just that was big bro, you know, so that one hurt me hard. You know what I'm saying? Like that's that's like right up there with my grandma was passed and you know what I'm saying? Like it's it was just that real growing up in Brooklyn, New York, as a fan of hip hop music, like you just love Boot Camp Click. You know what I'm saying? Like Book, buckshot used to spend time in coney Island, so i would actually see him you know um people from around my way grew up with him so it's just like crazy like to see who got the props and then come outside and see buckshot you know chilling on the corners like yo you was just on tv like that is so crazy to me so two years later you know do a record on duck down in 2009 and into into Become friends and family with with some of the guys on the label was just crazy. But Sean was Sean was the first one. Sean took me under his wing. Sean took me to the studio. Sean put me on records. Sean made me feel like he called them pedestrians. You know what I'm saying? He made me feel like I wasn't a pedestrian. He was like, "Yo, you on?" You know what I'm saying? I was like, "Yo, I can't wait till I get on." And he's like, "Yo, you already on?" He was like, "Yo, you spit that shit like you know what I mean? You spit bodies." And he gave me so much. And the conversation as far as encouragement and little shit that he would do, you know, like invite me over to his crib, you know what I'm saying, for the fish fry. And, you know, we found out his birthday was the day before mine and his daughter, Sean Price, is born on my birthday. And just like, oh, you know, we share the same birthday, March 18th. Just like little shit like that, having real talks about life, not just about music, you know what I'm saying? Like um, it was it was it was a big loss for the hip hop community. It definitely was a big loss for me from somebody who I just respected and looked up to so much and again man like those little those little pats on the back and those little bits of of acceptance is what keeps you going sometimes when you want to just be like yo it's a rap like I don't want to do this I can't deal having somebody like Sean price respect my MC and you know so much that he called me to get yo I gotta have you on this joint you know what I'm saying like you know when we did. Um, dug down from Kembo, and then we did um by the way from mike tyson and you know anytime I called him, you know he was on uh Marco and I's album as well as you know uh bow Brothers with Sky and I so you know we had so many records he put me on um the first Babo joint I had ever rhymed on. It was crazy because Sean is so nuts that we ended up losing the session. And I ended up not being on the song. But you know, the fact that he invited me to the studio and he was like, Yo, I'm doing this shit with Babool. You fuck with Babool? That's my man, blah, blah, blah. He's like, Yo, write a verse. i He's going to put you in a joint. And I was like, Yo, this is, you know, it was just so crazy. I remember going home and getting on the subway, you know what I'm saying, and just probably was glowing. You know what I'm saying? Like, yo, I just did a record with Sean Price that's going to be on Babu's album. Like, it was so crazy to me. And I was heartbroken once the session got lost. But we ended up making more records. And, you know, I formed a relationship with Babs and, and all of that. But, yeah, man, losing Sean Price was just – it's still unreal. Um, You know, love him, love his family, his wife, his kids. You know, extended dug Down fam as well just is – it's, it's definitely still hurts. It definitely still stings like the day I found out. Torre, new album, Entitled, drops
0: January 15th, 2016. Uh, Torre, it's been an honor to talk to you on The Library with Timronic on rapstation.com
1: The pleasure is definitely all mine, Tim. Thank you. Um, I apologize for the various reschedulings and, uh, no. you know, uh, even showing up late today. I pride myself on being on time. Um, but it's the holidays. I was definitely in chill mode. And I had my son with me. It was a bunch of Christmas toys. I had to lug into the city and a bunch of bags. And so I drove. And normally I don't drive into the city. People look at me like, why are you on the train? Because like, driving is retarded into the city in the middle of the day. So anyway, long story short, I was a bit tardy. I apologize again, but hopefully it was worth the wait all you know so oh. cracked the door into my surprise. Delivery chick was a dime when I ordered breasts and thighs. I was thinking with fries. Opened it wide, come inside. Let me get you this bread. It's in the wallet in the room on my bed. Walked to the counter, she put the bag of food on the edge. Walked my room, looking back at it, shaking my head. Thinking, damn, wishing she, she was on the menu with Then the room door shut, like I heard what you said. She was with it, I was with it. So Wolf came to fit it, like I was trying to deliver to you for a minute. I get it now, you gon' gonna get it. She lean back, jumped in the sack, undid my zipper, laid me down on my back, By the hour into it, somebody calling her Jack, non-stop back to back, like, you should get that, she said it's just ping my ex, the black belt, dude is obsessed, he probably followed me up to your address. What you mean, followed you to my address, like, like a black belt, like karate, like he nice with that Nah, Sub- boy, you gotta Sub- get Sub- go, Hold Sub- up, hold Sub- up, hold Sub- up. Hold Sub- up. Sub- Kicked in the door, waving the nut Both stacked and laughing do it tight nuts. Try to tell homie I ain't know your wife was a smut. No need to bust in my crib on, wrecking my stuff. Seen his lips move, but he never uttered a word. About eight seconds later, this is all that I heard. You told Ray, you must pay. Kitty cat, you slaying under the ground where you must lay. Got in a stance, two ninja stars in his hands. Throwing both of my directions, blocked them both with the plant. Kept coming. I start dumbing, never been a punk but do the karate master hit him right in his nuts scream I'll lean forward I uppercut his jaw foot swept him to the floor and throw him right out the door Peep shorty in my sight she asked if I might I said it's to be expected, it's saturday night what's uh, up what's up what's up what's up what's up what's up what's 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 the ground up uh, son, you get the picture up from the ground up, son, son I bet the I flow like I'm young, what? Up from the ground up, son, you get the picture <laughs>